Hello, hello, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of That's My Personal Business. If you are new here, I'm your host, Eden Strader. I'm so excited to have you. This podcast is for photographers and creatives who are interested in building beautiful businesses so they can have beautiful lives rather than the business being the end destination. And we love talking about all things business, all things personal, all things in between. The foundation of this podcast was built around my own story of my marriage and divorce, which you can find in episode one. But I know that our businesses and personal lives are so intertwined. Like we talk about it all the time in the industry, but we never really talk about what that looks like, what the effects are. And so that's the whole idea of the podcast. And sometimes we have episodes that are just business, just personal, whatever it may be, but I'm excited to have you here. And if you aren't new here, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Whether you have been here for one episode or like a hundred, I'm just stoked to still have you here. So I'm so excited for today's episode because It is literally like the definition of why I started this podcast. Uh, It is so, so beautiful, so amazing, and so important. If you are listening to this when it's going live, I know we're approaching busy season for a lot of you. Like if you're a wedding photographer, I know you know things are about to get kind of crazy. And that is why I think this episode is so important. We have Anna on today and she had a psychotic episode um, several years ago due to work. And she today is going to be sharing her story with us. And it was just such a beautiful episode that I also needed to hear. I think anyone needs to hear who loves their job and tends to overwork themselves, aka basically everyone at some point or another. Um, However, I did want to give a precursor that we're talking about a lot of really hard mental health things in this episode. So I wanted to give you a little bit of a trigger warning. There's not really anything that upsetting, but in case even just like hearing a dialogue around mental health can be hard, I just wanted to give you a heads up in case you need to skip this episode. Um, However, again, there's not anything crazy in it, but I also think it's really important to give some context before you dive into heavier subjects. So just know that that is in this episode, but I'm incredibly excited for you guys to learn from her. I don't really want to go over what's launching this week, what's new in business, all of those those things I want you to just really focus on Anna's story and her message because it's really beautiful and really important and I think every creative needs to hear it so we will link everything for you in the show notes that you need to know as far as updates finding Anna's work all of that beautiful nonsense and for now let's just go ahead and get into this episode I'm so excited to have you on today Um, I'm really Excited feels like a weird word to use when we're talking about what we're talking about, Um, but I'm very intrigued and I think this type of thing is so important to talk about. So I'm incredibly excited to learn from you and hear about your story. So thank you for being vulnerable enough to share it because I'm sure that's a really hard thing to like recount and relive in order to educate other people. So thanks so much for being willing to do that. I think that's really, really amazing and I hope you know how incredibly powerful that is thank you and I think it's like a-okay to be like interested excited intrigued about having a psychotic episode and psychosis just because like we never hear about it it's such Mm -hmm. like um, a misunderstood and kind of like unspoken kind of experience even though it's so it's actually really common it's like about three percent of the population I think experiences psychosis at some point in their lives which if you think of like a class of 30 that's like one of your schoolmates yeah that's actually like a way higher rate than you would expect um yeah yeah, I'm like I'm shocked that it's that high um but before we get into everything 
I would love if you could give everyone just like an introduction on yourself and who you are and a little bit about you before we kind of get into your story in which in whatever way that you want to tell it. Amazing. So I'm Anna. I'm a brand photographer at Studio Gently. Um, I'm now an Edinburgh resident in beautiful Scotland as of last year, but I've been working for myself as a brand photographer for a lot longer. It's been six and a half years now. So I always like to say to people, like, refer to my business as like what school year she would be in. Mm. Um, so for people that know, like, you'll know the UK system. Um, I think she's in like year one now, which is okay. adorable. Um, but I'm a brand photographer. I work primarily with, I say like kind and creative people like that. They either fit into one bucket or they fit into both. Um, and I just feel super lucky to do what I do. And yeah, I'm super excited to chat on the podcast today. I love that. What is it about brand photography that you love? Like, I love that your ideal client is just kind and creative. I think we don't hear the word kind enough when it comes to ideal clients like I'm like that's such a beautiful and important word to use to identify your ideal client so and I think that like plays such a big role in brands and getting to know businesses what is it have you like always done brands or what called you to that yeah I've done brand photography since I started it was something that I fell into so organically I did a year abroad as part of my um, university degree mm -hmm. and when I came back I'd spent six months with like this big DSLR that I did not know how to use mm -hmm. and the shop that I used to work in was like we need somebody to take product photos do you know anybody and I literally just went I have a big camera so you know let me know and they were just as clueless as I was so they said yes mm -hmm. and to start off with horrendous worst photographer ever but I loved it and I just had this from this young age love for independent brands like speaking especially with like female and like gender non-binary kind of creatives I just had such an appreciation for small businesses from a really young age. So it feels like I'm playing like so much of the time. And I just especially enjoy that feeling of playing with like within somebody's business and like the trust that's there in brand photography. And mm -hmm. also that for a lot of my clients, it's like the first time they get to feel really beautiful. If, you know, if there's somebody that, hasn't got married or maybe they did get married didn't have a photographer what have you um there's so many elements of grand photography that I love and I feel really I just find so affirming and yeah the kind and creative thing same with being called studio gently I just really noticed that my people are really sweet people really lovely like that's that's me and my core like I've got a sassy side but I'm definitely like a gentle personality mm -hmm. and I just really wanted to be like this is a beautiful thing that everybody mm -hmm. should feel is within you know their, their skills to not mm -hmm. see as a negative and yeah one of my clients left a testimonial saying that I was gently powerful and I was like oh 
there we that's go. Such a that's beautiful. It. Yeah. I'm like that even just from the five minute conversation that we've had. I'm like, yes, that is the perfect description of you. And I, I love that. I think there's something so beautiful also about, I think like a lot of people get really hung up in creative careers that they need to be this like really loud or like bold and outspoken person in order to be successful like super extroverted I feel like that's something I hear a lot they're like what if I'm just like a quieter person like how am I gonna do that and so I think that's so beautiful that like you could be another testament of the fact that like yes you just get to be yourself and work with people who identify with that that's so beautiful I love that yeah me too and I think especially because like I say I love working with so many female creatives I feel like that's the celebration of like that feminine energy that is finally getting some kind of recognition in the mainstream Mm. yeah it's beautiful it's so needed and so beautiful oh well I love that well so tell us a little bit about like how you got started and like I'm trying to think of organic ways to like lead into your story but um I want to one hear about like what what kind of led up to what we're here to talk about today and like just kind of hear a little bit about like the beginning of your story because I think that's always so important to lead up to anything significant that has happened to us (laughs) um which I'm like obviously that's the whole premise of the podcast is talking about these things so yeah I'd love to hear like how you got started and what like the kind of beginning of your career looked like for you So my business started, it was September 2016, and it Mm. happened because I had worked at that boutique that I mentioned earlier, shooting their photography, Um, but I'd worked there since I was like 14 years old, kind of on and off, knew that I wanted to do something different. So the summer of 2016, I was a camp counsellor in the States, I was Mm. in West Virginia, um and had an amazing experience there but kind of came back with this feeling of I knew what I didn't want to do but I wasn't wholly sure of what I did want to do and the only thing that felt like it made sense was that I'd had three people get in touch before I left being like we love your photography we love your Instagram would you run our Instagram accounts for Mm -hmm. us and it just felt like given I was lucky enough to be with at my parents at the time it just felt like such a perfect opportunity to just give having my own business a go and it really felt like I was winging it and I always feel like there's an element of winging it wherever you are in your business I don't think that feeling ever goes away fully but in the initial stages I had no family I had no friends that had businesses it was just me being like cool minimum wage is this amount I'll make my hourly rate slightly higher and that was it it was a real kind of nosedive into creativity um but also like the unknown of how to run a business how to structure a business and how to manage my myself um and the first Six months of that also were sublime. I Mm -hmm. loved it and I still love it now. Um, But I really didn't have any concept of the importance of boundaries, like boundaries, not just with clients, but also boundaries with myself. And because I was lucky enough that I'd had a really quiet mental health history (laughs) until Mm -hmm. starting my business, I saw myself as kind of, 
invincible in a way, in in a way that somebody in their early twenties is super super prone to. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to ask. I was like, were you in your twenties? <laughs> I was so in my twenties, so yes. in my twenties. Um, yeah, and so the first six months, it was just kind of all systems go. It was like mm-hmm. the peak of that whole hustle mindset and culture that was massive at one point and thankfully seems to have abated a little bit um but I was getting up to do yoga at 5 a.m because I thought I can't run a business well if I'm not getting up at five um I was working on weekends and then just carrying on the rest of the week not taking any time to kind of, off to kind of catch up um and yeah I'd start work at like 8 a.m and then finish at 6 p.m 8 p.m and just sort of creeping ever later and creeping ever earlier some weeks and it was difficult to kind of recognize that that was a problem because of that culture being so prevalent but also because I was enjoying myself so much I'd Mm -hmm. really found for the first time like a, a vacation and a career that really spoke to me and so much of that freedom felt like a gift but I didn't mm-hmm. see that that freedom also kind of comes with a cost and maybe a bit of a responsibility mm-hmm. um, to manage your time respect yourself and mm-hmm. create healthy parameters for your work and for your life mm-hmm. um, so yeah so like I say six months of frenzied bliss but mm-hmm. I loved it um, But then it got to the April after that September, the following April, and I was just kind of aware that I was sort of running on an ever more empty tank, but didn't really feel like it was something that I needed to address. And Mm -hmm. it got to the Easter weekend. And I just remember like this first, I can't really remember what the intrusive thought is because of the Mm -hmm. nature of psychosis, which is what Mm -hmm. happened. I had a psychotic episode. Um, I can't remember what that first intrusive thought was, but that's one of the symptoms of psychosis is to have intrusive thoughts that often make no sense, but it came in and I just went, and just accepted a whole different version of reality. And yeah, that reality, it was that my family was out to get get me. Um, I decided mm. that I needed to go and stay with a friend. Um, and I kind of cut myself off from my very close-knit and really loving, wonderful, supportive family. Um, but I just felt that everything was normal. And those intrusive thoughts were facts. And Mm -hmm. I didn't see the issue in four hours of sleep every single night. Oh my God. Um, Okay. Yeah. It was, it was real. It was so real. Um, And yeah, unfortunately it just meant that while I was staying with this friend, she was amazing and so trying to support me. And we just thought it was like a regular life blip. Like I was having Mm -hmm. some issues with my family but it was going to be okay but the reality was that I was super unwell and Mm -hmm. I was having a psychosis completely unbeknownst to myself um and yeah it kind of ticked on for maybe about eight weeks of Mm. less and less sleep more and more intrusive thoughts more paranoia more delusions and what have you um until I reached a breaking point 
and it all kind of became very obvious that like okay this isn't everybody else this is me mm-hmm. and um yeah I had to get help so yeah mm-hmm. that's kind of the the road the road that the road yeah obviously there's also and if I ask anything and you're like I don't remember please feel free to say that and we can <laughs> yeah. we can skip it because um I'm like I've been very open about it on the podcast too but very different situation but my PTSD resulted in a lot of memory loss that like yeah. sometimes people ask me things from a couple of years ago and I'm like I just I don't I'm sorry don't know couldn't tell you yeah. I know we went to that you're telling me we went to an event together sure I don't remember it yeah. um so please feel free to be like that don't know um yeah. but pre pre-intrusive thoughts do you feel like like I know you said it was really fun at first and you were enjoying it which I think is so important to say and to hear like thank you for saying that and sharing that because I think a lot of people think that burnout has to be this level of misery like you almost have to get to this point of just like frustration or you're really worn out like it, it has to be more of a negative experience when it might not be like you might just literally love it and that's harder I feel like it's harder to tell that something's wrong if you're enjoying it um so in between that time of like enjoying it and then the intrusive thoughts um kind of beginning um when you look back on it do you feel like you can now identify maybe some things that were coming up or that you were feeling and experiencing that you're like ooh, that was a big red flag I mean obviously there's some obvious ones like four hours a night of sleep that's yeah yep not sustainable for a human being um but yeah was there like anything looking back that you're like whoa I can't I can't believe we like skipped over that one or like oh yeah that was a big sign that something was wrong yeah totally um one thing that comes to mind is that I was so there were certain little obsessive patterns that I was kind of falling into that apparently is really common in like Mm -hmm. early psychosis there's a lot of tendency to fixate on certain things one of them was being obsessed with being at my desk and not having breaks and not speaking to my mum which now seems so obvious but at the Mm -hmm. time it was very much like no obviously this is what I have to do like I need to concentrate what have you Mm -hmm. um and like bless my mum that must have really sucked um Mm -hmm. So that was one thing. Another thing that came up as like another like kind of fixation was I was so into tidying and minimizing my life and like decluttering Mm -hmm. all that kind of thing. And for a while in my like treatment, we noticed that that would be like one of the first tells that would pick up is that I'd suddenly get like this urge if I felt like I wanted to take control of my emotions and maybe things felt like they were out of my control somehow I would immediately be like okay well I'll tidy my bedroom and then maybe have a mini and then I'll feel okay but it was like everything and bless my dad for like secretly hiding all of the all of the rubbish bags that I made myself like thinking like that's it that stuff's out of my life um but yeah, apparently, again, super, super common thing that happens in early psychosis. So a lot of people will find that they're fixating maybe on their work or, you know, maybe it's like their exercise routine. And like if they deviate from that, it's really distressing for them. There's mm-hmm. usually some little patterns of obsession almost um, that can kind of take charge of you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
sometimes they they're hard to spot because our society loves praising hard work and it loves praising exercise routines mm-hmm. um, so yeah I would definitely say that that springs to mind um, and beyond that like definitely this loop like we've mentioned um, I would say that just a withdrawal as well like I really took myself away from my friends and wasn't as communicative with my friends and Mm -hmm. I'm an introvert so I I don't have a lot of like social life to withdraw from Mm -hmm. like I'm already somebody that I have a few friends that I have really deep relationships with those Mm -hmm. friends but if I step back then I'm really cutting myself very thin on kind of Mm -hmm. the social life scale Mm -hmm. um so that definitely happened um yeah. as well so yeah I would say those are the main things that spring to mind that makes sense I also am like yeah it is it's wild to hear you list some of the things knowing that either we've all experienced something similar to a pattern like that like that's been glorified or praised or you know know someone that has but um I think it's it's so easy to slip into those patterns of hyper productivity because like you said, this this hustle culture, which we're still like, I think we're kind of correcting from a slight bit, but like still it's, you know, we we are marked by our successes culturally and in society still. And, you know, I'm like whole side tangent, but I'm like, I can rant for days and days and days how we have to pay for like necessities for living. I'm like, that's crazy that we literally pay for food and water. I like can't wrap my head around it. It's so wild. Um, How has this, I don't know. It's, it, I think it's so important to call a light to the fact that there are things that we glorify that can lead to something this extreme. And so how has this kind of shifted your perspective on work and personal life and like hustle culture, even though that's like such a buzzword, but like, what does that, I'm curious also like what your perspective was on those things before this and now after, like, were you have you always been a hustly person I'm asking like 30 questions I have so many questions I'm actually gonna stop asking questions we can just start there yeah I'd love to know like I'd love to know what your perspective was on hustle culture prior and like now after as I'm sure it has shifted so much yeah I think before I started my business I probably felt quite neutral about hustle Mm -hmm. culture like I wasn't an employee that wanted to rock up late every day, but equally mm-hmm. I wasn't an employee that would regularly stay late or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did what I needed to do and I was happy. Um, but it almost kind of caught me unawares when I started mm-hmm. my business that suddenly I felt like this huge responsibility for like my livelihood and my future and this little hustle gal just like popped out of me and um yeah I was super into um you know listening to podcasts every day and just consuming like all kinds of media like reading every book that I could find about optimizing my morning routine and all everything under the sun Mm -hmm. um and yeah seriously drank the Kool-Aid on that one um so yeah at one point I was really uh, into this kind of lauding a praise of hard work and and determination and what have you but now I've realized that it's actually kind of sad when you think about how much time 
we spend working that we're then almost encouraged to spend even more time working Mm -hmm. when in reality even if you work for yourself your job is a job like Mm -hmm. you can be passionate about it but when you think of the things that bring so much depth in this life and so much richness and happiness to us it's not really about having a camera in your hands or being at a desk it's about being with the people that you love that certainly is the case for me and now I just really want to remember that I'm Anna first and Studio Gently second and that's part of the reason actually that I rebranded originally my business was my Mm. name and I was like we can't do this you know Mm. like I wanted to have like a little step of separation there were other reasons as well but I just wanted to remember who I was separate Mm. from my passions as a business owner separate from my skills and even recently I've had like a little reminder like over this winter that I I wanted to have hobbies I've got into pottery like Mm. I've got into knitting again all these things because I just so appreciate that you know when it gets to you know the later stages of my life I will look back at this time and I will think did I spend it well did I spend it wisely and Mm. you know part of spending it well and wisely is recognizing that we are being told a bit of a capitalism myth and Mm. it's on us a little bit to check out of it and Mm. to build routines habits passions have fun be silly like my highest compliments at the moment and I think it says everything are like silly goofy and camp like if I say any of those three things about an experience like I couldn't give it higher praise because I just realized that that was what you know that hustle mentality was robbing, robbing me of it was robbing me of my appreciation for happiness for its own sake not for productivity's sake but for its own mm. sake I love the like perspective on long-term not consequences effects like of what Mm. this shaped for you because I do think it's it's one of those things where I always tell people I'm like I hope rock bottom isn't what brings you to realizing that you need to change something in your life but for some of us it it, it is rock bottom like I always say like after my divorce that was my literal rock bottom and it shaped shaped everything um and I think that's why podcast episodes like this or just anything where we get to share stories is so impactful because I think like this is such an example of like you know it having a very visceral and physical and like manifested effect on you like it wasn't just a like I'm tired I need to make some changes like you said it was like eight eight weeks was that right like you said it lasted eight weeks finish Mm -hmm. wow so like what and again you can also be like I don't want to talk about that please like feel free to decline any questions um what did that like and like that must have taken obviously such a toll on both you personally and your business like for lack of a better term I'm sure there were consequences almost for being like gone or during this episode for eight weeks I'm like that's two months that's a lot of time to be off do you mind me asking like what that looked like or what what kind of like happened there yeah so 
eight weeks was how long I was kind of symptomatic and Mm -hmm. untreated I was still working actually most that time but then I took three months off my business altogether Mm -hmm. so that Mm -hmm. summer 2017 I didn't do any work my dad sat me down really sweetly like held my hand and was like we've had a bit of a chat and we think that you need to step back from your business like just for a little bit and I remember it felt like he was taking this massive chunk of my identity away from me because Mm -hmm. I really didn't know like at that point I'd spent so many hours in my business and in my work I didn't know who I was without Mm -hmm. it and I didn't like maybe even who I was without it um but I had three months to just rest take my medication um go to amazing therapy I had the most wonderful psychologist and yeah really just switch off and be present and also I don't even know if I really was well enough after a certain point to work the fact that I was working probably doesn't necessarily mean that I was producing you know quality work let's say Mm -hmm. um but yeah I took three months off um we went to France at the end of the summer and then I started working with just one retainer client that I'd had Mm -hmm. since day one and then slowly built up from there um but it was really important to me that on the other side of that time out that it wasn't going to be for nothing and Mm I made sure that things like I have a work phone now and so many of my clients when I say like have you got a work phone have you considered it just eke out and just don't want to have the conversation um but it was massive for me and helping me feel like no I'm not gonna get a message or an email from a client like mm-hmm. 8 p.m at night when I'm trying to chill mm-hmm. out um and it's been huge so yeah we did things like that to just help ensure that I could be Anna, I could be me, but I could then step into work and enjoy it, but then get to kind of close the door, like metaphorically, Mm. when the day was done. When the day was done, yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. I was going to say, like, do you have rules in place or like what are the structures that you feel like you put in place after in order to make sure that it wasn't like a place that you ended up again like what did those I'm sure a lot of massive changes took place in the way that you operated your business do you have like ones that you feel like were particularly important or that you always like kind of sharing with other people yeah one of them came later but has been massive like my email signature and my autoresponder like my out of office is always on just Mm -hmm. so that I can tell people like this is when I'm online Mm -hmm. and in the multiple years now that I've had those two things in place there have been no people that have emailed and said Anna I see you log off but it's now 3 p.m I see you log off at 3 p.m I think this is unreasonable how dare you Mm -hmm. it's just amazing that the standards that you set for yourself versus the standards that are totally reasonable and okay to other people Mm -hmm. um it's kind of shocking so yeah having that little e-signature says when my leave's coming up um Mm -hmm. my out of office says basically the same thing just in a little bit more detail Mm -hmm. just always felt like anytime a client emailed me they were always going to get something that communicated this is when to expect me to be on and then that's it everybody kind of can breathe then because then Mm -hmm. they they know when to they know they're going to get a reply they're not going to be ignored for Mm -hmm. you know days and days and days on end um but it just felt like a real like 
win-win for everybody kind of situation so that was definitely one thing um the work phone was another thing and then I just really wanted to make sure that I built up enjoyable things in the rest Mm. of my personal time and I'd sort of forgotten in putting all of my energy into being productive Mm -hmm. that energy into things for just me are valid Mm -hmm. important and necessary to help keep me well um so I made sure that when I still lived near my family that I was seeing my baby nephew as often as possible um I have every Friday off and I spend as many of those Fridays with him as possible um and yeah certainly like limiting my hours again has just helped me feel like okay like I know that I'm not starting until 10 a.m at the earliest so I can sleep in a little bit a little Mm -hmm. bit if I need to I get up at half eight which to some people is like crazy like 26 year old me would have been like excuse me no same Um, that's also when I get up and some people like my girlfriend I literally the other day were like remember how people like most people have to be at work in 30 minutes like that's so wild like we're so lucky that we get to choose to do this but it's I think so important to just listen to I learned a lot about chronotypes over the last couple of years and I found that so like peace giving to recognize Mm -hmm. that it's my biology and when you think of it from a perspective of we need everybody to be waking up at different times and falling asleep at different times because in a tribal community it would mean that you'd have somebody awake until 2 a.m. and like keeping a watch on everybody. And then there'd be somebody waking mm-hmm. up at like between four and five. Mm-hmm. And even in like, say, a co-parenting scenario, mm-hmm. again, like it's another thing to give me some peace about my my sleep schedule is that mm-hmm. it's cool because I find it easier staying awake later in the evening. I don't love doing it, but it's mm-hmm. much easier for me than getting up early ever has been um so yeah a lot of compassion has come into Mm. like my view of myself and my view of my work for sure oh I love that is there like I know it's probably hard to summarize into like one point but is there anything that you hope humans but like especially creative business owners take from hearing your story like if you're like if you can hear or learn one thing what would that kind of be for you I would say that I just look back at my former self and I miss the resilience that she had that Mm. I thought was going to be there forever. And unfortunately for me now, if I'm going through any kind of tougher spell, um, I will start to feel like very, very mild, like early psychosis, like the intrusive thoughts, Mm -hmm. maybe a bit Mm -hmm. of paranoia and stuff never as bad as it has been but that's what comes back for me and I just really have to protect myself in a way that yeah like 23 24 year old me just did not care about and did not have to do mm-hmm. um and so I would say to people listening like if you've never had a breakdown if you've got no family history of any sort of concerning mental health like was the case for me I had no family history whatsoever still see yourself as somebody who deserves to be looked after and Mm. you can still have Fridays off even if you didn't have a burnout that means you kind of need them you can still log off at 3 p.m if that's something that you want to do like I don't do that every day some days it's 5 p.m but a lot of the time it's 3 p.m 
Um, you know, I just wish that we all saw ourselves as worthy of being tended to and looked mm. after, even if we've not had a big, hard, difficult lesson that's looked us in the face and been like, no, you have to sort yourself out because that's what happened to me. And it would be so much nicer to live the life that I live now without that caveat behind it, where it all kind of stems from safeguarding my mental health. That is a incredible like little nugget, not little nugget of wisdom. So thank you. Cause yeah, I think it's so important for people to hear that. Like you don't earn good treatment. You don't earn taking care of yourself. You don't earn a break. Like it doesn't, again, it doesn't take rock bottom. Like it should not have to. And it's actually really beautiful and incredible. If you can learn from the stories of others or like the heatings of others or the knowledge of others to be like, actually, yeah, that even though that might not be something that ever happens to me, like, let's not even find out if it's possible. Like, let's not, let's not test the waters. Like, um, you know, if we don't know if the stove's on, let's not touch it. Like, just in case, like, let's just not. Um, so thank you so much for one, sharing something like so, so vulnerable. Cause I know that sharing things like that in general is like very daunting. So thank you for one, for even being willing to share and two, two, share in a way that's like so beautiful and applicable and good for people to hear. I think especially like, I'm going to have to text my assistant that this needs to go up soon because I think a lot of creatives are also going into busy season. And I think this yeah. is such a, it's always really weird. Um, it's weird now being out of the photography and wedding industry because I remember what it was like. And like, I remember it's so daunting to be at this point of the year where you know your life is about to be a literal circus for like six months. And like, I have so many friends who are like, yeah, I'm not going to see anyone. I'm not going to be able to talk to anyone. I'm not going to have a weekend until Christmas. And it's like, it it's so sad. And so I think it's so important for the, your message and your story to be heard. So thank you so much for coming on and for sharing it. This was so beautiful. My pleasure. And I feel like that's what I hope that people can take from hearing me talk about my psychosis is that even though it was without doubt, like we were talking about rock bottoms, without mm. doubt my rock bottom, like my hardest days, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but I still wouldn't change it. And mm. I still feel like there was so much like hope and learning that came from it. So if somebody's listening to this and they've been through something or they find themselves going through something, like I would a hundred percent say that, you know, it, these things can be the making of us. They can be the best and kindest teachers, even if it doesn't feel kind and fun at the time. Um, and I think I'm going to be a better mum. Hopefully when that happens, I'm a better sister, friend, daughter, all of these things, um, and see the way world in a way that's so much richer and more meaningful to me now that I've had that experience so yeah again I just hope it can be a little bit of like a, a calming thought for anybody that's been through or is going mm. through something really tough that like we just need time you just need time and you'll find that actually that that was the right path for you even if it was a really difficult one to take thank you so much Anna I'm like this was so lovely I'm like I'm neat I'm 
me knocking the mic. I'm like, I'm going to have to sit down and journal out some thoughts after this. Like, this was so beautiful <laughs> and so like life-giving and inspiring. And um, I think just encouraging for people, no matter, like you said, like no matter what stage they're at, maybe it's preventative, maybe you're in the thick of it, but I think it's so important to hear to hear both sides so thank you so much for sharing your story and for coming on um for those who don't know you can you tell us where everyone can find you on the internet amazing so my website is studiogently.com like I say I'm a brand photographer I'm also a brand photographer mentor and obviously I'm mostly on Instagram but it's at studiogently for TikTok Instagram Pinterest everything amazing okay well we will link that in the show notes for everyone as well so thank you so much again anna for coming on and thank you guys for listening and we will see you next time